Hey, welcome to the Athlete Hat Podcast. Uh, today's episode, we have Julian Pinot on, and this guy uh, is one of the best conversations we have, one of the most knowledgeable coaches I've ever talked to, um, and one of the most driven, passionate men um, that I've met in the fitness industry. He truly, truly cares about how people move and uh, the pain they feel. Uh, when he's talking about it, you can always see that he's he's feeling his client's pain, and he cares so deeply about it. Um, Anyway, it's an amazing conversation. We actually got started talking before we thought we stood, and uh, before we knew it, we were in the midst of a conversation. So we kind of jump in uh, a little bit, a little bit kind of mid-conversation here. Um, he's on a bit of a rant about Kelly Starrett and the current application of movement. Anyway, it's an amazing podcast. Um, definitely give this a listen. Um, like I said, probably the best we've done to date. Anyway, uh, relax and enjoy. Yeah, oh, we'll start the conversation. You guys introduce me after. Yeah. Yes. Okay, so let's do that. So, yeah, talking Calisteret. Okay, so that article in Men's Health, who wrote, who wrote it? Okay, did you read it? Did you guys read the article? Okay, so it was about the, the foot positioning on the squat. Yeah. Right? And he writes the entire thing saying, like, the foot has to be 10 to 12 degrees out, no more than that, because otherwise... In the, uh, so, first part of the article is that wider than that is a problem is going to fuck up your hips. Right. Okay? And so, first of all, feet from 10, 10 to 12 degrees. So, you are saying everybody's hips are the same. You guys remember Star Wars? Only the Sith deals in absolutes. Yeah. That's the dark side <laughs> of the force. We don't want that. Which, by the way, it's an absolute statement. So that says something about Obi-Wan Kenobi, but that's yeah. another problem. Um, so t- everybody has the same hips. So first of all, I disagree. We're going to start right there. There's an article on, you can Google that says, why do people have to squat differently? I don't know if you ever saw it, but I'll show you. It shows the yeah. different bone structure of the hips. Breaking muscle did a couple of... Yeah, yeah they did that. Yeah. Every, yes, it was a very interesting article because Stuart McGill talked about that. He can tell the, a person's ethnicity from the hip structure of a cadaver even. Just yeah, like because Scottish versus Slavic. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. 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 And so you have open, you have you know wide, narrow, up, and open, yeah. and all that stuff. And so everybody has to squat differently. So first of all, you're telling me everybody has the same foot position. Again, only the cis deals in absolute. That's that. First of all, you lost me right there. And then after that, he, were, he starts to explain uh, that powerlifters go wider so they can put more more plate on the bar, but in the long run, it's bad for you. So you are telling me there is a way to load more on the squat, but it's bad for you. So you are saying evolution fucked up somewhere. Like our capacity to handle more weight is detrimental to our bone structure. Huh. Okay. So, so how does evolution work one-on-one? You know what I mean? The, the trait that, is, that, it, that will help you survive the most is the one you're going to transmit to your, you know, as, as you survive and on and on. So you are saying basically that evolution fucked up somewhere that our capacity to handle more weight is detrimental to the bone structure. So our musculature system is not in sync with our bone structure. 200,000 years, and we, evolution still hasn't figured on that one out. But you did. But, but like, hmm. I, I, think, I think the point is, is that uh, like the way to lift more weight now, mm-hmm. like, now. isn't, necessarily, mean, okay, isn't def- necessarily the healthiest way to get it done. And maybe... Okay. Like so what is the health? The, like the idea of humans squatting a thousand pounds. Like our ancestors never had to deal with that. Okay, but they let's forget a thousand because basically it's, it's a powerlifter. So we're talking about someone lift, uh, squatting uh, five hundred pounds. Mm-hmm. If it's w- fit wider, work better for you to lift more weight. You are saying that is still not the correct way to do it. So basically, your musculature 
is allowing you to squat a certain way, but your bone structure is not. So again, evolution fucked up. <laughs> evolution gave you a musculature that is not designed for your bone structure. That's what you're saying. Right, you're saying there's two different systems that evolved independently yes. almost. Well, yeah, I guess. Does, that's called Occam's razor. The most simple explanation is usually the right one. Does that sound logical? I mean, does that, doesn't it sound w wrong somewhere? No, I mean, I guess there has to be a balance between structure and the muscular system. But don't you well. think evolution by now figured this out? We had 200,000 years as, as a human species. Like, we've done physical things up until now, basically, right? So, don't you think through the uh, concept of evolution, right? Generation after generation, the least successful specimen had to go away. Yeah. So we, we started squatting heavy now. We never lifted heavy shit before the 20th century. I guess, um, I guess like, cows are pretty heavy. We probably killed them at some point. No, but you know where the Yusufel stone comes from, right? You guys know where the Yusufel stone, that triangular stone shape like that you have oh, to carry yeah. around? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay, so it was a sheep herder that used to close his gate with that, basically, and then he would take it, would carry it back and forth. So in the Nordic countries, uh, it was in... Um, Shit, it was the Finns, I think. To go on to a fishing trip, you had to be able to carry a certain stone. It, it was a test of manhood. When you were a man, there was actually three different stones, the weak one, the middle one, and the top one. The top one was for men to become men, to go on fishing trips. You had to be able to lift that stone and carry it to a certain distance. Otherwise, you were still a boy. So <laughs> we've been lifting heavy shit before, yeah. now. We, we did not get better. Yeah, we got stronger on the barbell. And one but plane of movement as well. Yeah, exactly. But we are not stronger now than... Look at the guys. Uh, that's what kills me. Everybody thinks as we go, we get stronger on everything. Look at the guys at the 70s. They had 900-pound raw squad. Or they, yeah. you know, and with, with less drugs. And we, So, no, it's complete bullshit. But again, the argument is that the bone structure and the musculature are not in sync. I disagree. I think the body is perfect the way it is. I think we fuck it up along the way. That's, yeah. that's pretty good. Yeah, and I think if you look at, you know, homeostasis as well, the body is going exactly. to find a way to reach its set point, so yeah. the muscular system will adapt to the structure. Yeah, otherwise you're saying though. you're smarter than evolution. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They're saying that they are smarter than evolution, that they figure out something evolution didn't. Really? Okay. How so much of that do you think is to market uh, a brand or a product? Oh, yeah. They, no, okay. So I think the problem with that is not that. I think it's all the PT industry and because they look at movement wrong. And so I'll explain what I mean by that. In that article, Kelly Starrett explains that this you want the feet turned forward because when you sprint, you don't want your feet out. That's, that makes sense, right? Yeah. Okay. Sprinting, running, walking. These okay. are the fundamentals. Exactly. exactly. Okay. So let's talk about fundamentals. How many movement patterns do you have for the lower body? What, like fundamentally? Mm -hmm. um, lifting, sprinting, throwing. You have how many movement patterns? Remember Dan John? You have two movement patterns for the lower body. You're either squatting or hinging. Yeah. No? Okay. So tell me how many. Uh, Go ahead. Well, well, you've also, like, if you look at the way the human hip's set up, it's, yep. it's designed to cut laterally, which is quite unique. Like kangaroos, like sheep, dogs, like they can't turn laterally. Or yeah, going laterally, or, which talk is that? So how many, okay, so let's, so yeah, but it's still, this is still a hinge pattern, and I'll explain to you why. Okay? Okay, okay. So this is still counts as a hinge pattern. So let's backtrack, let me answer that question first. Is torque is the most, is what starts movement. Movement, so evolution was driven by necessity, right? That means movement drives joint positioning. 
right? Because it's movement first and joint positioning evolved based on who could sprint the fastest or jump the highest. Right. Because, you know, to escape the bear, I had to uh, sprint not faster than the bear, but faster than you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, okay, so movement has driven joint positioning, right? Okay, so yeah. a, t a movement is a screw. A screw is stronger than a nail. Yes. Okay, so movement starts with rotation. That's how torque is created. Torque is created through rotation. External torque or internal torque? You have only two rotations. Okay. Okay, yeah. so you go external or internal torque. Okay, that makes sense. Those are the only two you have, right? Yeah. So you have two movement patterns, the squat and the hedge, you have two types of torque, right? Do you think they're related? I'm pretty sure they are. Okay, I see. What you see what I mean? Yeah, so, so cunning actually is an internal rotation. So exactly, it's a hinge. internal right, torque. Right. Yeah. So it's a hinge. Exactly. So you define movement based on two torque, either external or internal. Yeah. Right. That's how you define movement so based on torque. Why? Because movement drives joint positioning. So it's not about what the hip does. It's what the hip, the action the hip is doing. And, and fundamentally, I think humans are kind of rotational beings. Like everything yep. we do now exactly. is controlled. Everything's rotation. a spiral. Yeah. yeah exactly. And, and actually, I, I'm really starting to believe that that whole idea of just up and down training all the time exactly. is not how we move. Man. Yep. We walk, we carry, we throw. It's all, yep. it's all Talk. posterior and yes. exterior. But like everything, it. look at galaxies, everything, everything is elliptical in nature. Yes. Nothing is linear. Yes. Nothing is linear. Everything is always elliptical. So everything starts with torque. And so torque is either internal or external. You only have two. That's it. Right? So those one will design both movement patterns. So you either have a internal torque or external torque. External torque is a squat. We all know that. Internal torque is a hinge. What is a hinge? So let's, let's, de let's define a hinge. So a hinge goes through internal torque, right? So what is external torque, for example, for? External torque when you squat, right, is to lock your SI joint in place to make sure you have stabilization of the hips. Yes. This is to transfer the power of your legs into your upper body to make sure you don't lose it. Because if you have a swivel at the hip and you try to squat, you're going to lose some power because your upper body is going to move back and forth. Mm -hmm. So the external torque is made to lock your SI joint so that you can transfer the legs into the torso without the torso moving. Okay. That's the squat pattern. Yes. So what is a hinge then? A hinge is internal torque, so you have as much swivel as you can. Right, so you're freeing the hips up. You're freeing the hips up, exactly. Yeah. Freeing the swivel, that's my next t-shirt, free the swivel. <laughs> and by freeing the swivel, you have a hinge, right? Okay. Hinge at the hip, the femur hinges and, and everything. So you don't use your spine, you use the, the hip and everything. So now, a squat pattern is external torque, right? Yeah. So therefore, a hinge pattern is internal torque. That makes sense. Okay. So now let's go back to the conversation about the squat with the feet forward. What is a sprint? Is it a squat or is it a hinge? It's a hinge. Obviously. Yes. Okay. So what, what, what torque is that? Internal torque. Yes. Okay. What is a squat on the way up? It's a squat pattern. Which torque is that? Excellent. Okay. So can you explain the foot positioning by doing external torque when you're talking about internal torque? No, I like you cannot. Apples to oranges. Exactly, and that's my entire yes. point. You cannot apply the squat to the hinge. Yeah. I see so many times people want to squat their deadlifts and deadlift their squats. Yeah. Exactly, and but, but that's what Kelly Starrett talked about. He said you want to squat with your feet forward because it's going to help you sprint. A sprint is a hinge. You can't work on your squat to hinge better. This is literally <laughs> me saying I'm going to work on my pull to push better. Yeah. Yes. You can't do that. Fundamentally, it's a wrong argument. Mm. Yeah, and I think uh, one of the questions we have later, this will be quite good to get into, the, the idea of delivering bad coaching cues. 
Yeah, 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 coaching yeah, cues is a word yeah. that's always dangerous. But cues only work if you understand what the cue is referring to. Yeah. So yeah. if you talk about external torque on, on the deadlift, you're screwed. Okay, so what is a deadlift? What it, is deadlift? Yeah, it's a swivel at the hip. Therefore, it's a hinge, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what happens if you external torque on a deadlift? You lock the hips. Right. So you kill the swivel. Yeah. And so who has to lift the weight now? Your spine. Because yep. your hips can't do it because you kill the swivel. And so now you have flexion extension right. of... So, of this, so now you have those massive uh, lower back you see so in, in, in yeah, CrossFit. Right, so the, yeah. the, way I, the way I thought about this is that <clears throat> the glute has kind of three functions. Abduction, rotation. Forget the glutes. Movement. Huh? Remember, the glutes oh. come movement out of movement, right? Yes. Movement drives bone positioning, drive musculature. Oh, dude, I'm, so, I'm supporting no. you here. But so imagine, again, like we go back to the squat, right? So it's like external torque. If you do any hinging movement in external torque, you kill the swivel, you end up with flexion extension of the spine. So you disengage the glutes. Yes. So yes. that whole idea of external torque engaging the glutes on a hinge pattern is wrong. Well, what you do is you take the primary function out of the yeah, glute. Exactly. You're spending energy pushing the knee yeah, out exactly. instead of extending the hip. Exactly. You're killing the primary function of the glute by extending exactly. rotating. Yeah. Exactly. Which, which for a pushing pattern makes sense because you're trying to use the quads maybe. Yeah, but uh, again, as long as you yeah. basically I look at swivel. If there's no sw if you don't want a swivel, it's a squat. If you want a swivel, it's a hinge. Yes. To me, it's that simple. But so again, we go back to working on your on your squat with your feet forward to help on your hinge. Is by definition the wrong way of doing it. So he's wrong. It is the so. But how do you look at squatting? What's going to favor external torque? So if your hips happen to be shaped a certain way that you need to have your feet past 12 degrees to create better external torque on the way up, then you're doing it right. Yeah. And no, it's not bad for you in the long run. You know what's bad for you in the long run? External torque on a hinging pattern. That's where they kill themselves. Yeah. Because they're deadlifting wrong. It's not the squat. It's the deadlift. You know, you know what I see a lot? Um, this application of Kelly Sorrett's movement patterns. And you, if you watch, you know, we're saying that running and sprinting is a hinge, mm -hmm. it's a swivel. If you watch the CrossFit games, you see these guys run. All yep. of them are running with their knees out like Charlie yep. Chaplin. They're not graceful runners. Like, no. Something's messed up that movement. Yep. They're not using their glutes yes. the way they're meant to be used. Exactly. And it's, it's not one or two. It's across the board. Yeah, because they all taught external talk. Oh, it's, I don't know how to use their hamstrings. But, but you can't use your hammy. Okay, so if you have internal torque, external torque. External torque is the lateral head of the hammy, the outside head. Internal torque is the middle head, the inside head, right? It's never used. Everything in, so you have mostly hinging patterns in CrossFit. And they're all done externally with external torque. Mm -hmm. So literally, everybody's doing a flexion extension of the spine. That's why you see the shark fins in CrossFit, those massive erectors. Mm -hmm. But low, the low part of the back is way too developed. That's, that tells you there's a problem there, basically. And that's why, because the external talk, on, because they're being taught from the get-go to freaking drive the knees out all the time, which is a huge mistake. And that's where the problem starts. It starts fundamentally, they have the wrong way of looking at movement. So that entire article, I was like, bullshit, 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 bullshit. <laughs> Sorry. It's like, so you talk, because again, the argumentation is correct. The base argument is wrong. So everything he says is right. Yeah, we don't want to sprint out and everything, but it has nothing to do with your position on the squat. And second problem with that, uh, uh, so on the way down, which muscle do you want to load when you squat? Your quads. Your quads. Yeah. You want to, you want to load your quads on the way down on the squat? Huh? Okay. For so let me, ask you, let me ask you, no, not front squat. I say squat pattern. Let me ask you something. You jump, you're on this table, you jump out of this table. When you land, you're going to want to load your quads. No, oh, I want to load my hips. Okay. 
But it, maybe it's yeah. just saying that the squat pattern in general is rare for humans. Like, maybe we should be focusing more no, on... No, okay, so imagine you have a dial, right? You have a dial. Imagine you have a... I, I, we'll, we'll post a picture, but... Can, can I get your paper just so I can show you all guys and then we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll put a, a picture of it? So imagine, imagine out there you have a dial, right? I'm going to put... So I'm going to put four, uh, four stops on that dial. So if I put the dial to the right, I got external torque. If yep. I put the dial to the left, I got internal torque, right? The, the top part of the circle is the top of the squat. The 90 degree to the right side is the bottom of the squat, back to the top of the squat, right? Okay, imagine it's a dial. It represents the amount of torque you can create, right? Right. Okay. Yeah. So I take, I externally torque on the way down, loading my quads, mm -hmm. right? Okay. I, I reach the bottom of, the, of my squat, right? Yeah. This is the amount of torque I have to go back up with. So you want to you start bringing that torque back in. And back I, in. I'm doing that this torque way. as you come out the yeah. bottom. Yeah. Because then that way I have that much more torque to go back up. So if I internally rotate on the way down, loading the medial head of my hammy, without letting my knees cave in, obviously, mm -hmm. I have that much more external torque on the way up to create force. But if I load on the way down externally, I have only very limited of torque I have left to go back up. Right. That's just biomechanics 101. Imagine if you're bench pressing, you're engaging your lats, yes. external torque, and then you internally torque on the way up. Yeah. Okay, so, but you're not doing that on the squat. You internal, on the squat, you would load the same muscle you're going to use on the way up. Why? That biomechanically makes no sense. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I, it is true. I like, um, I actually, like, I, I was talking to um, Tio Kirksman from Lift Hard. He works with uh, mm -hmm. Coach Ramfu. Yeah. And, and the Chinese, when they squat, they actually teach a little bit of internal rotation to come back up. Exactly. So, the opposite of what yeah, the Americans exactly. Do. So you but internally torque, and then you yeah. bounce off of that. And once you reach about around parallel, if you look, yeah. then you forcefully externally torque to yeah. engage the hips yeah. and the quads to, to go back up, because that's when you kill the swivel. Yeah, but that, like, that like, little pinch in, mm -hmm. like... If you watch the Chinese squat, they squat well. They squat, they squat excessively they squat well. But again, so don't focus on what you see. Try to understand the principles. What they're talking about is internal torque. Yes. So, I mean, so if we look at it from a movement perspective, suddenly you can... So the biggest the difference between faith and science is the ability to make prediction. If I look at what I'm talking about, internal versus external torque, I can make predictions on how the Chinese squat. I can explain movement. Yes. If you start to go into squat as a squat to help uh, hinge and everything, you run into a million problems doing that. And then it gets very confusing and everything. It's Occam's razor. They're wrong. And so it's about torque. And so on the way down on the squat, you want to torque internally. That does not mean I want my knees necessarily to come in. That depends on people. But that does not mean I want to bring my feet in either. I can have whatever stance is better for me. And it's just a matter of which torque I'm creating, not which foot positioning I'm using. That's where they're wrong. Yeah. It's about torque, not positioning. Movement drives joint positioning, not the other way around. They're looking the other way. They're looking at foot positioning is going to drive movement. No, movement is going to drive joint positioning. Yeah, right. So, like, what you're talking about is almost like that um, Brazilian jiu-jitsu concept of, like, in invisible jiu-jitsu. Like, you don't yep. see it so much when you look at it, yep. but it's what that person's feeling exactly. as they do the movement that makes 100% the difference. Mm -hmm. Shall we... Uh get into the the meat of the podcast yes <laughs> okay all right so we'll do the intro eventually yeah <laughs> we're here for three hours i'm good <laughs> i got coffee i can last
Welcome to the Athlete Hack Podcast. Uh, I'm your host today, Ross Gilmer. I'm joined by the usual suspects. Jesse Akerstow. And? James Jones. And uh, we have the absolute pleasure today of being joined by Mr. Strongfit himself, Julian Pinnell. Hey guys. Welcome Julian. Thank you um, for having me. Yeah, so let's, uh, we had a little bit of a pre-recording ramble, so we're just going to dive straight into the first question. Um, so we, we've followed your work from some time now, and um, we may have some of our audience though that are not as familiar with who you are, mm-hmm. your work, so could you just uh, let our audience know who is Julian Pinnell? Yeah, I'm a movement specialist. So my job really now is to help coaches understand movement better so they can coach it better so we can see less injuries in uh, the many sports I deal with, CrossFit being the not not the main one, but one of the main ones, basically. And I see a lot of uh, problems with movement patterns that result into... Uh, gradually worsening issues that people don't either choose to ignore or not are not seeing either way. They are cert- the, when you do a movement pattern the wrong way, you have certain gradually certain problems that start to get gradually worse. And unfortunately, the the industry the way it is right now is come to me once you pop something, then the PT can fix it, and then we can get you back to training. So I find this I find this to suck on the athlete's side because you have to wait until something breaks. So you know it's getting worse because every morning you wake up and, man, my shoulder is worse than yesterday. But yet nobody's trying to change the movement pattern that's causing the pain. So definition of insanity by Einstein is doing the same thing over and over again expecting a different result. result. Yeah. So to me, all this starts with a fundamental misunderstanding of movement. And so what I've been doing the most really is trying to explain the correct way to look at movement so you can make prediction on where the problem comes from so we can fix it. But we need an underlying structure to do that. We have to stop relying on methods only and understand the principles behind the method. That's what Ralph Emerson said, is if we do not understand the principle, we're all running into trouble. So what you see out there is, a, is methods upon methods yeah. upon methods. You have the bulletproof shoulder, you got this, you got that. I'm like, it's not the problem. Understand the principles and then make up your own methods based on that. So that's what I've been trying to do is to create an underlying structure for the idea of movement. So it's funny, we, uh, we, were, we had the privilege the other day of training, doing a training yep. session yep. as a big group. And uh, it's funny because we had a lot of conversations in between the, a lot of the working sets. And you were talking about that you know, people will often go and see the doctor, then they'll see their PT, yep. then they'll see a shaman, and then they'll have snake oil. Like you're, you're making then up me. Yeah, and, and eventually. Then you, why, yeah. why is it, do you think, that people wait till they're, they're at their absolute worst point to, to address these sort of things? Because they want to be told what to do. That's why. Like, it's inherent to human nature. To It's easier to... It's, first of all, when you ask, tell him what to do, it's not your fault anymore. Then you're relying on that person. If that doesn't work, it's your fault. It's not mm-hmm. mine because I ask you what to do. And he, and it basically means like you've been messing up from the get-go. So you did something wrong. It's on you. And, and it's going to require, it might be simple, but it won't be easy. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit of work every day. It means you won't make a big jump necessarily, but you'll get gradually better. And it's like losing weight. People want to lose 20 pounds tomorrow. Yeah. They spend five years getting weight, and then they want to lose it in two weeks. It's, it's like a passing thing. of responsibility, and they want it yesterday. It's a very well. passive mindset. Yeah. And that's what most people have. They have a very passive mindset when it comes to injuries. First, they ignore it. Like, no, no, I'm not in pain. It's like, you can't lift your arm overhead in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm fine, coach. I'm fine. I'm like, you need 800 milligrams of ibuprofen to train. Mm-hmm. That is not normal. 
So what do you mean? No, it's not normal. That's the dirty secret of CrossFit. It may be common, but it's not it's normal. It's not normal. It's yeah. a dirty secret of CrossFit. It's not steroids, like like people think. It's ibuprofen. That's a dirty secret. Like everybody's taking massive amount of ibuprofen to train. It's like the painkillers in uh, in powerlifting or in even bodybuilding. That's what they don't tell you is how much painkillers they take. That's a dirty secret. Yeah, hmm. that's true. Yeah, and so when your shoulder hurts every single morning, maybe... You should look in the mirror and go, I'm doing something wrong. The problem is with people, it's, okay, my shoulder hurt, I'm going to stop training. I'm like, no, I didn't say that. You see, if it gradually get worse, there's a way to gradually make it better. But it, I have a very, I have a different time frame. Me, personally, that most yep. people. Most people look six weeks, I look two years. I'm like, yeah, I'll fix it. It'll take as long as it takes. It might take a year and a half. But a year and a half from now, you're back to not being in pain. It's a lot better than what your future is a year and a half from now if you keep doing what you do. But that's not what people want. What people want is someone who says, no, no, I'll do a surgery six weeks from now. It's like ne it never happened. How do you get people to buy into the process? They, have to, they get hurt first. And then uh, they're tired of the pain. And then eventually they're like, again, they go see the doctor, didn't fix it. The PT didn't fix it. The massage therapist didn't fix it. The acupuncture didn't fix it. The guy with the longer needles didn't fix it. The guy with the voodoo didn't fix it. Snake oil, you name it. And then eventually they go, fuck, I gotta go see the French guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's literally the road. And then, uh, and then I'm like, okay, so we do this, this, and this. And of course, 12, 16 weeks, it's better. And they go, I don't understand. I'm like, I know. Let's keep it that way. <laughs> yeah. But um, everything, like that's what the, the you, and you know why the argument is, for example, the, the conversation we're having about Kelly Starrett is that the PT will look at the movement fundamentally wrong and go like, yeah, we need to, we need to change the human body. No, we don't. On the contrary, that's when things happen bad. Is you trying to change evolution. You're not going to win. 200,000 yeah. years, you're not winning. The body doesn't care that you want to do CrossFit, doesn't care that you want to squat with your feet forward. It's going to follow what it does. You have guidelines you're born with. Yeah. Okay? That's evolution. Gave you guidelines. Set of rules you have to obey by. You don't want to obey? Have fun. But understand you will break. So just obey evolution and you'll be just fine. The body is the best invention ever. We stand on two feet. It's working awesome. Stop fucking it up. <laughs> okay? Just follow evolution guidelines and you'll be just fine. But people can't do that because they wow, I want this. I'm like, okay, then, but how about you get this, but doing it the right way? Yep. And so PTs are always forceful in the way they look at it because they look at it wrong. The biggest problem I have with PT is, for example, like that whole flexion of the shoulder, arm overhead. They never define which movement, they're in, movement pattern they are into. <clears throat> so uh, let's go about argument because it comes to the snatch. <clears throat> I put my arm overhead, flexion of the, of the shoulder, right? Okay. Is that a push or is that a pull? Push. Sorry. Oh, it's push. When you put your arm overhead. Okay, but when you talk to a PT, they say put your arm overhead. They don't define it as a push. Because if I look at the movement pattern for the upper body, there's two of them. Yep. You have two torque, in external or internal. Yes. When I pull, yes. I create external torque. Yes. Okay, so when I push, what do I create then? Internal, internal like torque. Like a punch. Exactly, exactly like a punch. So when I snatch overhead, am I pulling or pushing the weight? First you're pulling. No, no, no. When I stabilize the weight overhead. Oh, push. push is pushing. Okay, then which torque is that? Internal. Okay, which torque is being taught on the snatch? External. I, I teach internal. Okay, <laughs> but, and here comes the problem. They all, most PTs, they all talk about external torque when your arm is overhead. And I'm like, when you're pulling, yes, not when you're pushing. Okay, so where is that fundamental problem starting? When you pull, you create external torque. Which head of the bicep are you using? Sorry? 
which head of the bicep are you using when you pull creating external torque? Long head. Yeah. Long head, right? So when I push internal torque, which head of the bicep I'm going to use? Short head. Short head. You see that with gymnastics. They do the iron cross. They go toward the short head. Yeah, I know they turn the elbow, but they still are they engaging their pec. Yes. Yes, they are. So which, ex so which torque is that? Oh, wait, it's, it's internal. Yeah, even though they turn the elbow completely out, they're still going creating torque internally. So which head of the bicep is that? Short head. Short head, exactly. Yeah. But what do people try to do? They try to load, they try to load the long head because they misunderstand the torque. But it's different if you're retracted and externally rotated. That's but very if you're different from protracted. Exactly, because it's a push pattern when you protract it, whereas when you retract, it's a pull pattern. So the question is, which one do I need when I'm overhead? So, problem is, PTs, they raise their arm overhead, right? Mm -hmm. By raising their arm overhead like this, which head of the bicep am I using? Sorry. The long head. Uh, so right. it's a pull pattern. So I do want to externally torque. But the problem is, that's not how I snatch now, is it? So they, li they lift their arm overhead using a pull pattern to explain a push pattern. Mm -hmm. Just like Kelly Starrett was explaining a squat pattern, to, to apply on a hinge pattern. So it would be like, if you're doing pull-ups, it's good to extend exactly. as you come up. Exactly. But so when they push their yeah. arm overhead, they're describing a pull-up. They're not describing a push. Yeah. yeah, they take that mirror image. Exactly. But now they're applying they're exactly it. exactly wrong. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. And that's why they're messing up everybody on the snatch, teaching it externally uh, with external rotation because they're trying to torque externally, explaining a pull pattern instead of staying with a push pattern like you see, for example, in gymnastics. And my argument is always with them. So if you are better in this position with externally torque for the shoulder in a push pattern, give me one movement in athletics, in life in general, where this is stronger than this. Um. None? Exactly. None? Yeah, yeah. That's my point. So outside of the snatch, you have no pushing pattern that is stronger in external torque. So snatch is different from every single other pushing pattern there is. Okay? That doesn't sound weird to anybody. <laughs> By the way, when you do a push jerk, you're going to create internal torque, right? Mm -hmm. Internal rotation, internal torque. Yeah. But a snatch is external. When do you switch? Well, you, sh you shouldn't, you, period. Okay, you're internally rotated on a push jerk. On a snatch, you externally rotate. When do you switch from internal well, to external? This is just like going back to the whole squat oh, so position yeah, argument. Exactly. Yeah. So when do you... When do you do you think some, someone's drawn an arbitrary line but like as soon as it's 45 exactly. degrees? Yeah. Okay, so by the way, like, what happens 40, when you... 42 degrees internal. Exactly. 47. And so by the way, that means there's a dead zone. Because when you switch, you're going to lose all tension. Yeah. So you are seeing the body overhead as a, as a position where it cannot hold any tension. Evolution is that bad, huh? <laughs> Doesn't that sound weird to anybody else? Yeah. Like this yeah. is fundamentally the wrong argument. Isn't it much more simple to stay there, internal rotation? And then it's the same everywhere. But people look at the elbow position and go, huh, external. I'm like, that has nothing to do with the elbow position. Focus on which head of the bicep is being used the, the most, and then you have your you have a clue. But so external long head pull. Internal short head push. Okay, so if you look at it like this, now suddenly it starts to change a bunch of stuff. When you set up on the snatch, okay, so first of all, let's, let's backtrack. Which one is stronger, short head of the bicep, long head? Long head. Short head. Look at gymnastic. Uh, right. 
Look at bodybuilders, look at everything. Yeah. Which one is bigger? Which one is stronger? Short head. It's Always. a short head. Yeah. Look at gymnast. And here's the problem. Is most people think it's a long head. So I'm going to set up on the snatch. Let's say I do a snatch deadlift or whatever. Which head of the bicep do I want to, do I want to use to pull that 200 kilos off the floor? The stronger head. Yeah. The short head of the bicep. Therefore, internal torque. So when I set up on the snatch, I set my shoulders back, but internally rotated. Inter we're creating internal torque, not external. Yeah. What happens if I torque externally on a setup for the snatch? Then we go back to the dial. That means when I try to go overhead, I'm going to have to externally torque at some point. I'm, the dial is not going to be as powerful if I start internally rotated, internally torquing. And then when I'm here, I externally torque forcefully. Now I got the entire dial just like, so it's the same idea as on a, on a bench press, on a squat or whatever, I have to load the dial, like load the spring and then release it the other way. So on a, on a snatch setup, you want your shoulders back yet, but you want to be internally torquing, engaging the chest, and most importantly, the short head of the bicep, and that's going to lead into a better pull. So I think um, this kind of comes to you, and you, you often talk about this, not to confuse torque with joint displacement. Exactly. It's important. So people look at the, they say, well, yeah, but you need the shoulders back. I'm like, I agree. You need the shoulders back. That does not mean the shoulder torquing externally. There's a difference there. They think rotation versus displacement. My, the position of my shoulder has nothing to do with what my which torque is being created. Just like the position of my elbow has nothing to do with which torque is created. I can have my elbows completely out and torquing internally. I can have my elbows completely in and torquing externally. So be careful when you look at joint positioning. You get tricked into not, uh, not seeing what's actually happening. See that gymnast with the externally rotated, that actually allows him to get, if, he, if you've trained it, more because you've got a little bit more to pull in. Exactly, against. exactly. And so externally rotating is a primer to get, turning that dial exactly. to generate more internal uh -huh. torque. Exactly. Right, makes sense. And so, but you have to learn to torque correctly first. Otherwise, when you try, you're completely confused. And here comes people saying like, I can't do it, therefore it's wrong. <laughs> So yeah, you, you've been, yeah, true, if yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if I can't do it, it can't be right. So here comes people that have done it incorrectly for 15 years and they come to me and then they go, I can't do that. It's wrong. I'm like, okay, will you give me two months at least? <laughs> yeah. But here comes, and that's the problem. They go, I can't find it. I'm like, I know. It's going to take time. But no, but that's the entire problem is you can't, yeah. so, so now they look at it wrong because I'm like, like they can't find internal torque. And so therefore they, their knees cave in. They go, oh, this is your proof. I'm like, this is my proof you can't do it. This is not my proof my, the system is wrong. This is my proof you can't do it. It's, but the, it's proof that your neurological system is adapted to the wrong and, and here, that's your problem. So now when you want to hinge, you're going to go to a squat pattern and you're going to fuck up your back. Like that's it. So we both agree that's exactly where the problem is. But because you can't get your ego out of the way, you're looking at it, instead of looking at it, as you're wrong, so the system is wrong. It's not the system, dude. It's you. <laughs> know what I mean? But so here comes the problem also. So going back to, uh, if you look at the implications of the system, so why do the knees cave in? Because it's trying to find the glute. Ex no, it's, like trying it's trying to, to find, find the swivel. The, exactly. So what is he trying to find? The internal torque. Yes. He's trying to find the medial head of the hammy. It doesn't have enough. So what does he do? He goes to the next muscle, the groin, and your right. knees cave in. Because you're trying to find internal torque, but you don't have it. So you have to go to the next muscle. The next muscle is the groin. And so your knees cave in. So how do you fix it? By giving medial head of the hammy so you can create torque, so you don't have to go to, the, to adduction, which is displacement. What do people tell you? Activate your glutes. 
No, that's the exact opposite of what you want to do. By activating the glutes, you externally torque, you create even less internal torque. So you're going to collapse even more. So you're doing the exact opposite of what you're supposed to do because you don't understand movement. So how do you fix knees for caving in? By giving them a medial head of the hammy that can torque correctly. Then they won't have to use the groin. Then they'll stop caving in. But engaging the glutes is exactly the opposite of what you need. And so again, the argumentation can be right. The fundamental argument is wrong because people look at movement the wrong way. Movement drives joint positioning, not the other way around. I think, I think one of the problems is, is we've, we've distanced like, patterns from movement, like, yes. from, from natural movement yep. so far. Like squatting and exactly. powerlifting is yep. so far away from... Like, if you see, like, to me, like, if I see like, a, a hinging or a squatting pattern... Like I, I look at like a, a sprinter or a surfer or yeah. something or a boxer, yeah. and it's and that that internal torque, that internal mm-hmm. rotation, being able to cave the knees in and, and still have stability is incredibly important. And no one in the fitness industry is applying this. Yes, actually, strongmen do, they, and they strong hear his argument. Yes. And you know yes. what, what is the difference between strongmen and powerlifters and Olympic weightlifters? Uh, strongmen don't break. The barbell. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, what happens when you lift a stone? The the center of gravity is in. Yes. creating, collapsing you in toward internal torque. What happens when you lift a barbell? The weight is outside of your hand, creating external torque, naturally. Right. And here comes the problem. The, everything we've been lifting for 200,000 years has been between our hands, yes. collapsing us toward internal torque. And here we create a barbell where all the weight is outside, therefore the bar bends up, creating external torque naturally. So right. the barbell is exactly the opposite of a natural movement. Yeah. And here comes the problem. And so isn't that quite ironic, though, that everyone views the, all the strawman and plus, oh, that looks dangerous, that looks... Yeah, exactly. Well, and the barbell is the most athletic movement. So the problem is we have adapted movement patterns to the barbell. But by doing that, we reversed literally the, the, the torque. So if you can do that with enough kinetic awareness to understand that you still have to apply internal torque when you deadlift, you're fine. But if it does not come naturally to you and you go toward what the barbell is leading you toward, which is external torque, then you're going to fuck yourself up. And here comes CrossFit. How many women in CrossFit never did really any athletics before they got into it? And so they take the barbell, it takes them toward external torque on a hinge pattern, and then boom, they go into, uh, into a squat pattern, and now they have massive back problem. So the problem is the barbell. If I bet you, you do, we do CrossFit with sandbags, you wouldn't have nearly the same amount of problems. Yeah. Because I don't have to teach anything with the same bag. You know what's funny actually is uh, like I hurt my back a couple of years ago and I was rehabbing it um, with a uh, basically I just did gymnastics like yep. gymnastic bodies yep. followed that program mm-hmm. and I'm actually still doing it. Yeah, um, now, it's a great and, uh, and came out of back injury and I actually uh, a couple of guys from my gym were doing a strongman competition yep. and there was a space in the 85 kilo category and they're like, do you want to jump in and do it? And I'm like, hmm. All right, fine, I'll do it. And I was picking up stones and pulling sleds and loading yokes. And I was so, so I was like, I know this is going to hurt for like a week, but yeah. it'll be fun, whatever, I'll do it. Next day, I was like, oh, no, everything's fine. Yeah. And I was like, but even to this day, if, if I'm squatting with a barbell, mm-hmm. I think my movement pattern's so far gone yeah. that I just can't do it exactly. anymore. So now you have to learn to, it's, it, there's a way. You just have to learn to uh, internally talk on the way down. So you, you probably excessively externally talk on your way down and stuff like that but if I give you a sandbag you can squat a sandbag and naturally it'll take you in the right movement pattern and you yeah. won't have to do that so I'm thinking like why even go to the barbell now if there's a, another way to do it that won't hurt me <laughs> that's why I use a sandbag so much <laughs> yeah so I I'm actually going to skip the second question at the moment just because I want to kind of keep flowing with the, mm-hmm. the movement based stuff so let's get into the next question um, your movement assessment system is something that um, 
certainly at least in the CrossFit world especially, it's something that's getting a little bit of attention. People are talking about it. Yep. Um, just from listening to many of the podcasts you've been a guest, we know that you place a great emphasis on what you call the end game. Yes. You often talk about. Yep. Um, so when working with an individual and athlete, can you give us an overview of, can I guess, your assessment approach? Yeah, and so uh, the end game was referring to chess. I love to play chess. It makes me smarter. So, um, <laughs> And in chess, the true way to play chess is to learn the end game first, actually. Like, everybody wants to learn the openings because that's when you can make your friends in five moves or at least get material and look really smart, you know what I mean? But that's just memorization. That's not really learning the true interior of chess. And then you go to the middle game where pieces fly off the board, you get, like, all the crazy strategy, the traps, all that stuff, and it's a lot of fun. But it's not really chess either. Chess is done uh, in the end game when you learn to move each piece separately and you're going to learn the strengths and weaknesses of each piece by itself and then can you put them together in the strategy and then eventually in the openings so the fitness industry is a bit the same the opening is programming right everybody wants a program because we all know the right programming will take you to the crossfit games so that's what they all want to is to memorize a program and as long as i have the right program i'm all good yeah sure and um the second part like the the strategy part like the middle game of chess would be technique how to teach technique, how to teach, how to squat, how to deliver, how to snatch. But if you haven't learned the end game, which is torque, then you can't teach technique. Because what you get, you get someone who's teaching you how to hinge in a squat pattern. And so you can look like you're doing a perfect squat and yet fuck it up completely because you're talking the wrong way, which might not be obvious to the eye unless you know what you're looking at. So your coach is being taught to teach you to squat this way with a back that position. So again, you're going to put the, the joints in a certain position, create the wrong torque, and fuck yourself up completely. And so strategy, like the strategy, the teaching technique is not enough. You can teach a movement pattern completely wrong and yet looking it perfectly right. And that's the problem. So how do we fix that? We have to understand the end game. And the end game is torque, which tr torque is created in which movement pattern. So when I do an assessment, the first thing I look at is, can you push, pull, squat, hinge in the proper with the proper torque? If you cannot, then I can't teach you anything else anyway. Like any, If you cannot hinge properly, if you externally torque on everything, there is no hinging movement you're going to do correctly. That means hinging movement, for example, dumbbell, that means when you swing a kettlebell, you're going to do it wrong. When you do a GSG sit-up, you're going to do it wrong. When you do a sit-up, you're going to do it wrong. What is a sit-up, by the way? Is it a hinge? What, what is a sit-up, movement-wise? Um, I suppose we just say trunk flexion. Okay, yeah. spine flexion. Is a sit-up a hinge? Is it to stand up? A sit-up. What is the function of a sit-up? It's to stand up, right? You're laying on the ground, you stand up. Yeah. Is that a swivel at the hip? Yeah. Okay, yeah. so that's not a flexion of the time, that's a swivel. What is a swivel torque-wise? Internal. Internal torque. Yeah. Yeah. How many people do sit-ups externally uh, while creating external torque? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so now you end up with a flexion of the spine instead of a swivel at the hip. So guess what? Your core is not designed for that. Mm. So you're fucking up your spine by doing sit-ups like that. <laughs> so, and so I can list like a thousand problems coming out of a simple fact that you're misunderstanding the movement you're doing. So that's where it starts. It starts with the end game. So when I do an assessment, I do as simple as this, you are creating the wrong torque for that movement. And then I'm going to let the body do its thing. That's all. I'm just going to remove you from it. So what um, type of movements do you, do you focus on? 
or exercises, uh, it, it so depends to speak. a little bit. Uh, th then I have to see what the problem is with that person. Okay. Lower back pain, knee pain, or stuff like that. You know, where, what is where, where is the problem starting? Let's say it's a crossfitter and they have those massive shark fins, and one side is is um, is like is spasming all the time on the back. I'm like, okay, let's see if you can hinge. Okay, a lot of times they can't hinge. Let's say that medial head on the hammy on the on the right side cannot be activated. That means you cannot hinge on the right. You can on the left, but you can't on the right. So first of all, if I hinge on the left and I externally rotate on the right, that means I'm going to turn to the right. Right? That's the definition yeah. of a turn. That's how you create turn. You, re you reverse the torque one side versus the other, right? So I'm turning to the right. So every now I'm turning to the right, and I can swivel on the left, but I can't on the right. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to use a flexion extension of the spine on the right, but not on the left. So I'm turning to my right, and I'm doing back extension on my right. Do you wonder why your back is hurting on that side? And so that's it. Yeah. It's really, it's not that comp If you look at it correctly, it becomes very simple. But if I look at it like foot positioning and then this and then that, then it becomes a million parts of little bits of information and you're completely lost. So what would you say then are the most common movements uh, that you like see problems with? Like external torque on a, on, a, on a push overhead, that's a massive problem. We need, as a community, we need to have a conversation about the shoulder problem in CrossFit. Mm. It is a problem. Okay? They keep Do you think saying it's there, limited there to just CrossFit though? No, but it's a shitload of it in CrossFit. Yeah. Percentage-wise, it's far higher. Mm. Mm. You're telling me people that do bodybuilding have as much problem with their shoulder than CrossFitters? Bullshit. No. How no. about strongmen? They do no. crazy shit. They don't have... Percentage-wise, it's not nearly as high. Yeah. So, their excuse is there are no injuries in it. I'm like, if you can't lift your arm overhead in the morning without taking ibuprofen, it's pretty damn close. Yeah. It hasn't popped yet. It's still a problem. How many neck problems do we see? It's the same thing. So, how many people, crossfitters, walk around with one shoulder raised? Yeah. This guy. Exactly. <laughs> okay. And that shoulder hurts, and then that neck hurts, and everything. I count that as a problem. Yeah. And yeah. it's so common in CrossFit. Why? Because, first of all, there is no more latissimus dorsi activation in CrossFit. That's gone. So, because of the up and down movements and absolutely no frontal plane and different exercises. So, it's a little bit the same thing as collapsing uh, in for the knees. If you don't have lats, job of the lats is to keep your shoulders down. One side is weaker than the other. So, one side is completely gone. So, now you're going to shrug because you have to find power somewhere. Yeah. You're going to find it into the trap. And then, so you're going to shrug on one side, externally torque. You're putting such amount of stress on your T-spine. It's either your shoulder that's going to blow up or your neck. And I see that in 80-90% of CrossFitters. Yeah. At every seminar, I'm like, who has shoulder problems? And everybody has their hands up. And it's oh, not the heart, probably, the, the sore side. Yeah, exactly. the good side. Probably just one arm up, right? Yeah, just one shoulder. Yeah, just one shoulder. Yeah. Ah, ooh, okay. Uh, <laughs> and, and so, like, w as a community, we have to talk about We have to stop ignoring the problems with the choice. And I'm not blaming CrossFit. I'm blaming the choice of exercises. Yeah, it's the balance. Yes, yeah. I want CrossFit to be better. I don't want to change CrossFit. I want to add to it so we can balance it out. CrossFit right now is not balanced. We have to have that conversation, and it's creating a certain set of problems. Yeah. Shoulder and neck is a problem. The shark fins is another. Mm -hmm. That flexion extension of the spine instead of hinging. That's a major problem. The backs are starting to spasm badly, right? It's an issue. The other issue I want to talk about is the elbow thing with female crossfitters. Uh, when a female crossfitters has her arm overhead, this muscle right there by the elbow inside is massively developed. How come? I don't have that muscle. Strong men don't have it. 
I can, I can do 350 pounds per hand on a farmer's walk. I don't have yeah. that muscle. It's because they're externally rotated. Exactly. Yeah. And so it creates the arm is starting to bend the wrong way. And they're creating a play at the back and forth at the, uh, at the elbow, which is causing hypertrophy of that inside muscle. How is that not ringing any alarm bells? Because I see it now with more than half the female crossfitters, even game athletes. And I'm like, Isn't, why would that muscle be that developed? From an evolutionary perspective, it makes no sense. Like one muscle, that muscle should not be bigger than this one. There is absolutely no reason for it. That worries me. That mm. means elbows problems are coming up. And you see all those women that have uh, over mobile elbows that overextend on the snatch and everything. I'm like, guys, there is a way to fix this. You just have no internal torque. So the short head of the bicep is so weak, you cannot keep your elbow in positioning. You externally torque, you overextend it every single time you put a movement overhead, you're overextending that elbow. That is a problem. You see it a lot in handstand push-ups as well. Yes. Eventually, at some point, people start to and collapse. Getting, and it's getting worse. So what I want me is to have a conversation as a community going like, there are certain imbalances created by just using sagittal plane movement up and down with a barbell, everything in pronated. Mm -hmm. And on top of it, we teach the overhead position wrong. So literally, we are creating a major issues and we are all ignoring it because you cannot criticize CrossFit. I am not criticizing it in the sense of I'm not bashing CrossFit. I want to make it better. Mm -hmm. I want to go back to what CrossFit was supposed to be, Greg Glassman's vision for CrossFit, that is something adaptable to everybody. Not everybody should snatch. Not everybody's going to do an overhead squat. That's just a fact of life. I had older clients. Some of them just won't do it. But I can make that. Some of my clients cannot squat with a bar. Every time they do that, like, you make that face, you go like, oh, my God, something is going to pop. But with <laughs> the sandbag, they look perfect every time. Yeah. Let's go back to what CrossFit should What's have that? been. Yeah, I, like, I, I'm, I'm a big believer in this because I, I got into CrossFit in 2007, kind of before the yes, whole rebound exactly. thing got yep. into it. And um, like the, back then, the, the goal was have a physique that lends itself generally well to most things so you're prepared for the unknown exactly. and unknowable. And that was it. That was the philosophy, yeah. Yeah. right? That didn't mean that you had to have a certain snatch for a certain deadlift. Yes. It was, are you generally good at most things? And I think if we can pull the community back to that philosophy, there's something very, very valuable in that. Goal. Yeah, and you want to snatch, be my guest, but you should also be able to do some strongman stuff. You should be able to do farmer's carry. Yes. Nobody said uh, uh, CrossFit was a regionals yeah. workout, which yeah. is snatching That's and gymnastics. That was never the definition the of CrossFit. The disconnect between CrossFit the sport and CrossFit as a program. As a training system, fitness. yes. Yeah. And it's funny, sorry, you were just yeah, Because generally, like, most people are never, ever going to be, like, it's like the 1% of the population. Goes to regionals, forget the games, a yeah. Competitor. yeah. And it's the same in any other sport, so I don't know, understand why people then think that, oh, I just, I'll do the CrossFit games workouts, yep. and that's CrossFit. Like, that's so far yeah, it's connected not. to what... To the reality of it, and that, that's been the driving force, and that, that's unfortunate because, um, yeah, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't work like that. And, like, we've been evolving the CrossFit Games for the last seven eight years. When was the last time the training system evolved? There has not been any evolution of the training system. So I'm like, okay, then let's do it. Yep. I'm going to bitch about it or I'm going to fix it. So I'm like, fine, then I'll fix it. I yeah. Because it's yeah. funny, you, so we get this in our classes. A lot of people yeah. are like, hey, coach, and, you know, we're all very in agreement with this. Like, hey, coach, why are we not doing a lot of snatches in class? Why are we not doing a lot of this? Yeah. I'm like, this is a GPP program. No, but you explain. Now, so people are people. We can't just say don't do that. 
No. It doesn't work. So we say, we're going to do snatches, but let me exp- So we're going to spend five minutes at every class explaining people the why and the how we do things. Yeah. I'm yeah. teaching you proper movement pattern. I'm teaching you proper talk that will relate to your snatch. Yeah. I would that rather help you snatch better, offer them a snatch. you need to understand they can internal talk. hire a coach or actually spend yeah. specific time that on also, it. That also, yeah. So there is a change of the business model coming anyway. We need yeah. to start implementing privates and semi-privates. Mm-hmm. That is also happening. There is a change in CrossFit happening. We can pretend it's not there and keep doing the things we are, or we can be ahead of it and try to make CrossFit better. This is what yeah. I'm trying to do. I'm not changing CrossFit. I mean, I'm not, uh, I don't want to take away anything from CrossFit. It works. I want to make it better. I want to go back to the idea of CrossFit and make it what it should have been, which is a program designed for everyone. Yeah. Anybody yeah. who steps into the gym will get better. To do that, I need to explain, I need to create a, fundament, a structure of the fundamentals. And the fundamentals are not the 10 points of fitness. It's torque. The end game is always torque. So we're going to teach people to move correctly by creating the proper torque. And then from there, eventually, can they snatch. I think it's, yeah. the, um, it's, it's what you keep talking about. It's that trying to copy the behavior without understanding the underlying exactly. principles. Yeah. Princip- methods versus yeah. principles, always. Yeah. They, everyone wants to copy the method. What's the yes. latest program? What's the latest thing? Like, and, and it could even look exactly like yeah. a very high-performance program. Exactly. But it doesn't mean that you're applying the same principles behind it. And then you'll so be you're wrong. not going to get the same nope. results. You'll be entirely wrong. Ralph Emerson said that many times. And you think you'd be talking about training for CrossFit, honestly. <laughs> but, so, but so there's certain... The, the fact is, like, CrossFit HQ is with the CrossFit game. They own the CrossFit games. We as a community own CrossFit. Yeah. That's the, the reality is that's what they're focusing on. I think Dave Castro's vision is toward the CrossFit games, where Greg Glassman's vision was toward CrossFit, and he's been busy with other stuff the last few years. We as a community own CrossFit. So let's fix it. Let's take ownership. Of let's take ownership. That. Let's yeah. fix it. We need to evolve the training system. It works. I don't want my daughter to grow up in a world without CrossFit. It yeah. works. The, the, if you look at the numbers of the CrossFit game athletes, the female, they would do, do top three at any powerlifting competition. Mm. It's insane. Ignoring what CrossFit is doing for women is the biggest mistake the strength and conditioning world is doing. They, we have women that can squat 140 kilos without a belt with a six-pack while trying to run really fast. You get powerlifters that are fat, can barely do uh, 140 kilos while training specifically for it. If you're not looking at what CrossFit is doing, you are sorely mistaken. Like this is the greatest advancement for female training that has ever been created is CrossFit. It rules Olympic weightlifting and powerlifting on women that don't even train for that. Yeah. Yeah. It should be a light bulb in the strength and conditioning world, and yet it's not. Why? Because they look at the men and the men are not nearly as strong, comparatively speaking, as the women. So, because volume is, favors women. Intensity favors men. Yep. Volume favors women. Yep. Problem is, every training system up till now has been based on the fucking percentages, and so favoring men. So we've been training women as weaker men. CrossFit comes and increases volume first. So we've been training men as weaker women with CrossFit. And that's why you don't see the results with the men. And that's okay. But <laughs> it's true, it right? is working with women. So we have to accept that as a fact. Yeah. James and I have talked a lot about this, yeah. the idea that the reason that I think a lot of women respond so well to CrossFit is the volume. The volume. The Chinese trend, their female lifters 30% higher volume than the men. It's been tried before, but CrossFit has systemized it. It's, it's working, but there are certain issues not being addressed, and that is a tremendous mistake. And so we have to take ownership as a community and say, okay, let's fix it. Because 
the sharks are in the water. Like this is more a business conversation, but we have to we have to accept the fact that the sharks are in the water. The Orange Theory, the UFC gym, and everything they see functional fitness as the next wave. They're coming. I know some people they already talk about about franchising CrossFit. What worries me is the idea that some people behind Orange Theory or whatever would come and try to franchise CrossFit under their own brand on something like that. And then they'll kill all those small boxes that are barely drawing even because guys suck at business. Yeah. Yeah. And because the class system alone is not workable. Yeah. It's, you can't do just classes. You have to do private as well. It's, it's impossible to survive like this. Like I, yeah. I was talking to, I, I've talked to uh, James Fitzgerald. Yep. And, and he doesn't run classes anymore. It's all private or semi-private training. I, I it's wonder, all individual. Yeah. Like I want to run classes as well because like, uh, like you've seen the, what I do with the, the sleds and everything. It's a lot better to do it in a class of 10 than it is by yourself. Because it sucks yes. 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 on your own. If you're, if you're <laughs> pushing, yeah, if you push your sleds, you want Yeah, and you do that on your own. You go like, oh my God, why am I doing this? Hey, chocolate, I'm going to go over there. Uh, Squall, uh, why would you want to do that on your own? So I think the, the class system has an application for certain things, but others, let's be honest, you're not going to do it in a class system. So there is a... We have to redesign in a way the business side of it as well. CrossFit has grown tremendously in the last 10 years. We need the next stage. I think that's a conversation a few of us would quite like to have um, out with the podcast, the business side of things. Um, this actually takes us on quite nicely to the next question. I mean, you always talk a lot about the, the importance of finding balance and movement. Yep. I would love to know what your thoughts are on the importance of finding balance between volume and intensity and where that tends to go awry. Yeah, well, volume intens- plus intensity is a finite number. That's what people have to understand. Is that you raise one, you have to lower the other. Yeah. It's, it's a finite number. And so after, it, it's a question of, for example, gender-based. Is Women is more volume, men is more intensity. Intensity as in more weight, higher percentages. So if I were to train a guy versus a, a girl, I would do, the girl would do double grace, the guy would do heavier grace. Things like that. So that, that's the way I look at it. I look at it as gender-based. And after, uh, volume intensity, that's a v- highly specific uh, person thing like it depends on the persons Lauren Fisher can handle both chances are you cannot so you have to let your ego out of out of the door and find whatever works for you and stick with this but again this is understanding the principles and moving from there but the worst thing you can do is getting those fucking programs out there that make you do the German system and then gymnastics and then three med cons and then we're going to do it today (laughs) we're going to do it tomorrow again and so there has to be a more structured set of, uh, non, of, of guidelines where we can train because that whole idea of I'm just going to do medcons three times a day every day, it's not working either. No. Do you also think as well that the, um, I suppose the business model or the, the newer yes. style of business model will yeah. lend better to that because yes, I think we have will to be change. able to be yes. more individualized? Exactly. And, yeah. We, we have to change the business model. We have to do private and summer private either once a week. And once a week, once every two weeks, I don't care. But the same coach that gets you on the private is going is to be the coach. As, coach is going to do an assessment. He's going to uh, put you through private and he's going to take you through the class. That has to be the system because then he knows you. He knows how to change the workout for you. Maybe just instead of a bar or a sandbag or whatever, that has to be the, the way forward. And uh, with a private week, with stuff, that, that is the... And in that way, we can take care of people. There's less problems. There's less turnaround and everything. Everybody can make money. People are be- being taken care of better. The key is we need to keep those small gyms in business because they're failing. And that's another ugly truth nobody wants to talk about is most CrossFit gym owners make 30 grand a year. They're failing. They can make more money at Starbucks. 
and they are super enthusiastic and it's awesome, but it's not enough. We can't yeah. sustain it like this. The privates have to come. Like bashing global gym is the wrong thing. Like let's bash people that don't train or say don't train. Let's not bash other people in the fitness industry. There's nothing wrong with Global Gym. It's make people train. Now, can they do it better? Yes. So let's reach out and let's, make, let's take those people and include them into to what we do. I want the fitness industry to come as a whole. So, for example, as a CrossFit, uh, CrossFit, gym, CrossFit coach, CrossFit gym owner, you get people that will never snatch, should never snatch, never do overhead squat and everything. How about you... you you get personal trainers, you train them to do assessment, the one-on-one -on -one stuff, and in, and in some conditioning CrossFit style without the high-skill movements, personal trainers can do that. So you can hire a personal trainer, they can take care of your people, coach yeah. basic classes that are without the high-skill movements. People that want to compete, go, go, go learn how to snatch. That's a different class. Yeah. How long yeah. does it take to train a good CrossFit coach? It's a long thing because he has to learn to snatch and everything. You can take a personal trainer, training to do my stuff in three months. He can run assessment to uh, private, to a class system with my stuff in, let's say, six months. Yeah. And he'll have the people that should be there anyway and stay there. And then in the back, you train those CrossFit coaches. That you will take three years to get good, and then they can train the competitors and all that stuff. But not everybody is going to be a competitor, nor should they be. The system no. has to apply to everyone, right? Not everybody is going to snatch or do overhead squat. We don't need... The, someone who's capable of training Lauren Fisher to take care of grandma when she comes. Yeah. Grandma needs more attention. Not, she doesn't need to be doing what Lauren Fisher is. On the contrary, that's what frustrates me with the fitness industry is the better of a coach you are, the more you go to our top athletes, right? And eventually you're really good. You go toward the pro team or something like that. So are we saying normal people don't deserve better trainers? Mm. Yeah. That's what we're saying. 100%. That annoys the shit out of me. Mm. I want grandma to come to have the best trainer she yeah. can have. Right? Not so as qualified, just okay, you won't be qualified for snatching, that's fine. But he's gonna be really qualified at teaching grandma how to talk internally so she can stop uh, spasm, having spasm in her back. Yeah. That's what we're gonna do. So he doesn't know snatching, who cares? He's better at making grandma talk internally. Mm -hmm. yeah. So she has the best coach she can have. That coach is not going to Halloween Fisher. He's staying with grandma and he's taking care of her. So there's a different business model there that yeah. has to be established. Do you think, think like, I'm a big fan that perhaps most importantly the most the guys who are the quote unquote most advanced they 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 have these injuries they have they have all these problems 90 percent of the time they're, they're taking ibuprofen every day yep like it's worth for them to go back occasionally oh, refine these that's what movements, i do yeah all of then, them that's what then, i make them do yeah and then with that new mindset they can start applying but that that's, to those old movements. that was my job at invictus was that it was taking everybody back to the basics saying like you can't internally talk let's let's make that work yeah I never make. I don't do Olympic weightlifting. I, I didn't never coach them on movement. Very rarely, I coach them on torque. Do this correctly. Do that. This is what I want you to do and everything. But they go. They try to go so fast. They just try to make it work. And so me, I go back and I retrain the movement patterns. That was literally my job. Yeah. So no matter what, that is. They, there is a position for that. As a movement specialist, every gym needs a movement specialist, and that's even for the top athlete. There has to be someone who goes back to the fundamental of movement to teach them correctly. And so for beginners, that's basically all they need. And as they get better athletes, then we can start introducing higher skill movements. But we need to coach, talk, and everything correctly from the get-go, at the root of the... And that, we can use personal trainers to do that. We don't need to have Olympic weightlifting specialists. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so we can include we, everybody in the system. We have quite a big advantage in this gym that 
like for example, I know myself and James, I know Jesse, you've obviously been in the process of doing it as well. Um, we all have personal training backgrounds. Yeah. And we've had that for years before getting into exactly. CrossFit. So yeah. I think when you when you step in with that kind of lens, you see things at a slightly wider scope. Um, that, but that's what I want. I want CrossFit to be much wider. This is not the CrossFit Games. Yeah. Okay, we have to step away from this. We have to stop with the CrossFit Games. This is awesome sport. It's a sport. I don't train people by doing NFL combine. Mm-hmm. Or like, okay, let's put pads and let's go fight MMA to get in shape. Yeah. I mean, some people do it, but it's the dumbest thing ever. And I say, uh, like, we all see that. So mm-hmm. let's stop with the CrossFit game thing. Greg Glassman hates it anyway. Let's stop with that shit. Let's concentrate <laughs> on people coming into the gym. Okay? I train CrossFit game athletes. I'm the first one to say it. But this is, I'm not going to train Kristen Holty the same way I train Grandma or vice versa. Let's stop with this. Let's stop with the games, okay? Let's focus on people walking into your gym tomorrow. Don't they deserve to be taken care of just as well as Kristen Holty anyway? 100%. Yes, they do. Yeah. When grandma comes, I give her just as much attention as I do Lauren Fisher. If not more, because Lauren is not going to break, grandma is. Yeah. So I'm paying attention, right? As we, so she, grandma deserves as good as the coach as she can find. That coach should not be busy with Lauren Fisher. She should be, he should be busy with grandma. Yeah. Right. And that's the thing, and that, that for me is the fitness industry. It's funny, you see a lot yes. of the, the physique shows and the CrossFit yeah, games and exactly. the powerlifting meets, but, you know, that's, for me, I mean, yeah, of course it's fitness, but it's not the industry. I think the industry has to be the general population. Yeah, and it is, but this, the money is, like, the fame of Instagram and all that shit is to world like, I train this physique competitor. Like, training CrossFit game athletes is a hobby for me. It's not mm-hmm. my job. My vocation, it's not a job, it's a career. My vocation is fixing grandma. Fixing that 45-year-old who, when he wakes up in the morning, he kills his back so he can't play with his kids, so he can't go play soccer. So when that guy has lower back pain, you have to understand it's not just him. It's his entire family that feels because he can't play with the kids. He's a shitty husband to his wife because he's in pain all the time. He's in painkillers and he goes to the doctor. The doctor can't fix him. Trainers don't know what to do. That's the problem is you, you help that guy. You don't help him. You help his entire family. You help his loved ones, his friends. You give hope. To it's his like friends that are in the same, exactly. And so this is who we need to take care of and as a community. And so I want to integrate the personal trainers into the CrossFit system in that sense. CrossFit as it should have been. The idea of CrossFit when Glassman started it, what we all fell in love with. Not the CrossFit Games, right? Yeah. So let's stop the bashing. Let's get the personal trainers, but let's train them to be the best coach they can be for the people they want to take care of, which is your common population. If you have great CrossFit coaches that want to teach competitors, let's have that too. And then we'll take those people to the game. That's great. But we need people to take care of common people. And those common people should not be trained with a high skill movement. And they should have trainers that want to train them, whose idea is not to eventually, I want to train the guys for the CrossFit games. So let's take the personal trainers and let's create a system that goes from assessment all the way to class where we integrate everyone. The guy who wants to lose weight, the guy who wants to get fit, everybody under, and let's integrate the personal trainer as coaches because it'll be a lot faster to get there. And they'll be, ha- and everybody will be happy. Everybody wins this way. Instead of creating a wedge between them and us, which is not working, and fucking up people left and right with a shoulder and stuff like that, we can fix all of this through a model of integration. And that's what I've been trying to do because otherwise it is not going to work. Yeah. There are people, CrossFit gym owners are broke. Yeah. They're in debt. They're broke. It's not working. But we can make it work. I, I, I own a CrossFit gym in the UK and uh, I can attest to that. <laughs> but it's, it's yeah. We all, that's, uh, how many people do we know that were either us or, you know, friends in that sort of situation? Everybody at the table just, you know, Everyone raise their hands. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it is, they, it's not working. And it's, it's stressful. 
it's very stressful, but it's a divisiveness of CrossFit right now that is leading to this. Let's incorporate the personal trainers, but let's change the business model. Let's make it work for what it was supposed to be, which is a general population. That was the goal anyway. Yeah. That's a tough task, I guess, though, because, you know, we, we see a lot in the fitness industry. It's the barriers to entry to become a personal trainer and to even become a CrossFit coach is even easier. So often yeah, it is it's a tough easy task. to get so the qualification, but what's not easy to do is to, to kind of foster the behaviors or the... Yeah. Or actually just the willingness that you actually care for every single person okay, that so you we have, encounter. We have a lot of work to do, think, so let's yeah, get going. Like, yep. I, think, I think another thing that makes it hard for, for coaching, quote-unquote, CrossFit classes, when you call it CrossFit, people have this preconceived notion now yeah, of what CrossFit is. I know. Right? Yeah. And they, they see the Reebok adverts, and they see, they see people... And they see the fucking gun, and they see all this, yeah. ...and snatching and doing ring muscle ups, and, and they're like, I want that. And you're like, you can't have that. And then they get <laughs> You can't handle yeah. the truth. <laughs> so we're going to... We're gonna like you can yeah. have that like next Christmas, but like this Christmas, you no, but get so, that. Like, yes, so it's going to require every single class to spend five, ten minutes explaining the why and how we do things. Education. Yeah. Yeah. Everything. So we're going to yeah. train in knowledge. Ross, we've got to change yeah. things. Yeah. But it's this is yeah. something that I've been very clear with and we've uh, implemented here a lot is it's being clear with the expectations into every class, explaining the why. Educate people. Yeah. That's yeah. all. Because educate people. They'll understand. If they're educated, they'll understand. I'm going to get a muscle up, just mm-hmm. not right now. Yeah. Then you'll be fine. So yeah. you don't tell them. You don't give them a no. You give them a how to. Yeah. You don't say them. I, you're not going to do a muscle up today. Let me explain to you how to do it. Yeah. You're going to have to uh, uh, externally rotate correctly to do a pull. You're going to have to internally rotate to. Okay. So this is what it takes. Once you can get to this, is this, and this, then I can teach you muscle up. So now you give them a. It's on them, not on you anymore. You're not crushing yeah. their dreams. You say those yeah. are the requirements yeah. for you to do muscle up. You're going to have to learn to do this and this and this. And they go, okay. So go work on it. When you have it, I can teach you muscle up. Yeah. I think then that's it becomes on them. The most important part of the class for me is that first five minutes where you're yep. managing expectations. Yeah. It's yeah. very important. Yes. And so we going to educate people we're going to trade in knowledge and so is it a lot of work yeah yeah it is but then let's get started because the longer it takes us the more we lose so but yeah. again like i think it's a conversation as a as a community that we need to have we need we need to understand this is not often. working yeah and again yeah. i want it to work like i'm not bashing i want this to work i want to make it better okay first uh, first way of fixing a problem realizing there is one yeah. Okay? Yeah. The business side is not working. Okay? There is a problem with shoulder, with lower back, with the elbow thing. There are certain issues with the way it's being built right now, and the CrossFit game is not helping, as you were saying. So we need a way around it. Otherwise, what we're going to get is we're going to get gyms that don't call themselves CrossFit anymore. Yeah. Like, look at Jason Kalipa. Jason, you can't be more behind CrossFit than Jason Kalipa. He was the biggest Kool-Aid drinker of them all, right? <laughs> and he had, he had to call it NC Fit because he lost the Twitter account. He lost a million dollar account with Twitter, the company, uh, for corporate fitness because Twitter said, no, no CrossFit. He had meanings where they say, if it says anywhere, it says the word CrossFit in your proposal, I'm tearing it down. And that's why he's, wow. now he's calling CFIT and no more uh, knockout CrossFit. I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow, I had no idea about that. Yes. Again, there is a problem brewing. You have to put your ears to the ground and understand. You, we can wait, but then if we wait too long, the sharks are in the water now. Like they smell blood. They're going to come around. If we wait too long, they'll start eating us one by one, all the small gyms. And then we'll have the Equinox of CrossFit being franchised under one name. But they don't have the coaches to do it correctly. So they're going to fuck it up. And probably five to ten years from now, they'll go to another fad. But in the meantime, they'll have destroyed CrossFit and every small box in the meantime. Just like it happened with Jiu-Jitsu. 
The UFC gym has killed every single small jiu-jitsu class, uh, school that I know in LA. Wow, really? Yeah, because they struggle. They don't make money. And so the UFC gym is like, I'll pay you per hour that much. They were like, cool. Now I have a steady job. And mm. that's going to happen to small CrossFit gyms if we don't pay attention. The sharks are coming. I know because I've been told uh, they're coming. They, they smell blood. They, we just got bumped. Trust me, I won't give you names, but we just got bumped. And so that means the great white shark is going like, I wonder if that's a seal or not. Well, we better make it sure that we are not sealed. I think, yeah. I think I've already, I'm already seeing the death of the small CrossFit gym. Like, I remember when CrossFit gyms were the size of this room, 1,000 square foot yeah. box with a few, like, in you'd run classes of yeah. six people, right? I, you don't see that anymore. All the new CrossFit gyms are bigger, better, more expensive equipment. Like yeah, 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 but that's not sustainable with the model. So eventually the people financing it are going to realize that, yeah. and then they're going to go screw it. And now we, we're stuck with Orange Theory coming in the back. That's what I don't want. We still have time to fix it. Yeah, we we can do this. Like, I think, I think also everything the problem is still there, but just has to be done now. That's like, all. Upscaling those classes, taking 20, 30 people. To me, you lose the yes, whole exactly. Of that yes, movement exactly. Quality. Then yeah. it becomes a body pump class, and you thought, and, and then and then we're making it easier for them to take over. Yeah, not harder. What we need to do is increase the quality, not the quantity. It's always quality over quantity. What we need to do is take care of our people better. That's what they cannot do. Orange theory does not take care of their people. It's like. And what happens when you're tired of being on a bicycle? Well, you're screwed, because that's all they got. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so you don't come for two weeks, and you go back. So they don't care about their people. We do. We have a structure, and we have, most importantly, coaches that care. That's the biggest strength of CrossFit, is we care so much about common people. And that's how we're going to win. If we do something about it, or we can wait, and then we will be eaten by the sharks. That, that just, that's a fact. So you guys can wait, but me, yeah. I, I refuse to wait. I'll do whatever I can to fix it, yeah. because I don't want to see that happening. Yeah, I think it's getting away from the idea of needing more and more, more and thinking more about member experience. Again, coming back to that member experience and the yeah. Fundamentals um, of CrossFit, man. This is what the idea was of CrossFit. That's what, two, let's go back to 206 and make it better from there. Yeah. Like, it stopped evolving the second the CrossFit Games got along. It stopped evolving. The training system has not evolved in the last nine years. Like, yeah. there has been no evolution on the business side or the training side. And I'm like, Louis Simmons calling it um, constantly varied instead of random with the last big change in CrossFit. <laughs> in the training system, look, yeah. look, that's the last change in the CrossFit system was that, oh, it's not random anymore, it's constantly varied. Or as HQ said, we never said it was random, it was always constantly varied. Bullshit. That was the last change in the training system. We need... Things, CrossFit has grown now. But the problem is, again, like now it's in the water and the sharks are circling going like, that's interesting. And so now we have to take the next step and it's not the CrossFit Games. True. So I want to take a, just a small step away from the training side yep. of things. I want to kind of take it back to you actually a little bit. Um, so just from reading articles and listening to you on something podcast, you often refer to yourself as very humanist in nature. Yes, I am. Uh, I just kind of want you to expand on what exactly that means to you personally and how that reflects the purpose of the work you do. Uh, what does that mean to me? It's a... Uh, I believe in uh, human intelligence more than gods or anything like that. I believe in the greatness of, of uh, humans. Like we, uh, We've done... Uh, a tremendously amazing thing. If you look from Isaac Newton to Albert Einstein, thing like that, the potential for human intelligence is, is limitless. And so, my that's my what gets me up in the morning is just wanting to better humankind. 
wanting to see. That's what always been driving me, even as, a, as an athlete, was just being better tomorrow than yesterday. That's all. And so for me, it's, it's just I want to see if I can make someone better from today, then I feel it was a day well spent. No matter what that better means, means you stay teaching them chess. It doesn't matter. But I want to see the bettering of humankind just as I go. And um, on a personal level, uh, my grandfather was a very famous political man in France. And he went through Buchenwald for a year and a half. Right, he was a leader of the resistance, and he got captured. The reason they didn't kill him because they didn't know who he was because he had false papers. He escaped and he got captured again, and then he got sent to Buchenwald with the wrong papers. And he got to Buchenwald, which was a concentration camp like Auschwitz for people I don't know, where uh, they basically uh, reduce your rations so that you would die of attrition within six months. That was the. It was very scientific for that, but he lasted a year and a half. When he got there. Uh, on purpose, the Gestapo has set up a system where the strong were praying on the weak. So there are gangs inside of the prison, right, inside of concentration camp, where they were just stealing the Red Cross chocolate and stuff like that, beating and killing weaker inmates to take their food. There was a, lo a complete loss of humanity in the place when it got there. It was, it was the, like, like outside of society. It was such a gnarly place. And by the time he left... He, he was a diplomat at heart. He got all the gang members to, uh, all the gangs to basically start talking and everything. And he created a place where humans could live, where they were getting their Red Cross packages to the point where when he left b before the, the Americans freed the, the camp, he had a Christmas parade on Christmas with French Concord and everything where every single inmate participated. And for one day, they were back into being human beings again. And he did that from inside with no hope of anybody ever knowing and stuff like that. He did it because when he got there, he saw the depravity that was created and he saw the lack of humanity and he, and he decided to do something about it. He was a humanist. That's who he was. And so I'm just trying to be one. Yeah. yeah. But he was, uh, he, was a very, uh, he was a great man. And so to me, that's what it means. He means that. Yeah, I mean, I think we, we talk about this often a lot that, you know, I think the, you can very much see the difference in, in a person who wakes up every day with a purpose and people who yes. don't. But I've seen, I had athletes that were in pain, like really pain. You know the one that takes part of your soul away? Because yeah. it's every single day. You see that in their eyes. There is that veil in their eyes where you can see there's something between them and the world because it's that constant grind and everything. And that usually came out of nerve problems from, you know, wrong pattern. And I fixed it in some athletes. And I've seen that look in their eyes on that first workout where they were able to push again and then be themselves again because... You know, like you train for so hard for so long, it becomes who you are, really. And I'm going to take that away. And I didn't to pain. And it takes something away from people. And so I've seen their look in their eyes on that first workout when they come back, when they have that smile on their face. And that, to me, is the greatest feeling in the world, is seeing that, that look in their eyes. That's, that's my payment right there, is that look in their eyes. But for as many have I fixed, how many will I not fix? And that's what drives me is knowing thousands, hundreds of thousands, I will not fix. They will wake up tomorrow in despair and go to a, sur to a surgeon because he's the only one offering help. Mm. And that's why I try to fix. I want, that's why I do a certification process. I just want enough coaches out there that we can take care of those people that are just correct, a correct movement away from not being in pain. But because nobody is helping, they eventually will go to the surgeon, which, of course, will make it better for a year, but then the problem will come back. And that, that humanity is being robbed from them. And that's what drives me, is I don't want that. 
Uh, we can do better. As a human species, we can do better. Agreed. So, final question. What do you want Julian Pinot's legacy to be? Uh, I don't want it to, to about me, actually. Uh, I want, at, at, what I want it to be is that you don't even know I was there. Like We get to a point where we can fix problems before they happen, so they forgot what I was doing. That they forget that when the movement matrix, every revolution first is ridiculous, then dangerous, then obvious. I want to get to the point where the movement talk and everything is so obvious, people forgot I was the one who said, uh, who said it. When I get there, that means coaches will have integrated it in their system, will help a lot more people. Yeah. So eventually, I want, my legacy would be that they forget I was there in the first place. I think that's a very noble and selfless purpose to have. I don't think it happened in my lifetime, yet, so let's be honest. But yeah. uh, eventually, yeah. Cool. Well, before we just officially finish, I just want to say a huge thank you. My pleasure. I know I've been a huge fan of your work for quite some time. And um, when I heard that you're coming into town, I might have gone a little crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so having the opportunity to sit down and like just listen pleasure. to you speak has been amazing. And uh, I hope we get many more opportunities to do this. I most likely will be moving to Dubai in July. So there you go. Well, there's a bombshell. Yeah, nice time to be. <laughs> yeah, well, whatever. Yeah. But on that, um, is there anything that you've got coming up that you'd like people to know about? Yes, um, I'll uh, I'll have two seminars in March here in Dubai, so Simon can give all the stuff. It's early March. I'll do two seminars and a coaches week. So it's on my Facebook page uh, and on the website. You guys can find well, it there. I know everyone I know who's done your seminars mm -hmm. and your coaches week rave about it. Say it's some of the best money they've ever spent. Getting there. Well, um, so I know, I know for a fact that personally I'm already saving for the coaches yeah. week. So I'm looking yeah. forward to that. Two months. Yeah, three months. I go to I go to Europe first, Australia, and then coming back to Dubai. Yeah. Awesome. And uh, social media. Uh, Instagram at StrongFit1. That's the best place, you yeah, say? Yeah, by far. Um, one thing I would also say is make sure you check out Julian's YouTube channel because he has a lot of really good um, YouTube, discussions yeah. on there as well. Yeah, and I have to be more active with that one too. I'm working on it. I'm, al I'm always like two weeks behind everything, but I'll, I'll, I'll get to it. Yeah. Awesome. Um, for ourselves, I guess, just give us or go on there and leave a five-star review on iTunes. We'd always appreciate that. Yes, and you can find us on Instagram at athlete underscore hack and Facebook Athlete Hack and at, on the website athletehack.com Alright Matt, once again thanks so much Julian, we appreciate it. My yeah, pleasure, thank, thank you for having me. See you guys. <laughs>